Hello, interview listeners. Your host, Jill, here with a quick reminder. This podcast is intended for spiritual, intuitive, and artistic conversations. It shouldn't be substituted for appropriate medical, psychological, or veterinary care. I'm not a healthcare professional, nor do I offer medical, psychological, or veterinary advice. The topics discussed on this show span intuitive awareness for people and animals, as well as spiritual understanding for personal development. Please seek medical, mental health, or veterinary help if you need to. Thank you. Now, on to the show. you can you hear spirit calling i'm jill and this is my artistically intuitive podcast where all things spiritual creatively mix and mingle as an artistic mystic we'll talk about everything from art to angels reiki to writing earth wisdom to cosmic energy and the psychic nudges only our soul knows always sprinkled with a dash of humor and lots of good juju this is hello inner you joining me today for another episode of Hello Inner You. Today is a special episode because today I have with me a fantastic guest. Her name is Siobhan McMahon. Siobhan works within shamanism, kundalini yoga, meditation, and breath work, and is also fantastic with working within the Akashic Records, which is pretty unbelievable. Siobhan's healing practice is worldwide. She works remotely from her native land of Ireland, using shamanic and traditional methods while incorporating Anamshi energy work. Thank you for being here today, Siobhan. It is amazing that I got you on the line because I think we're going to have a fantastic time together. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. So if you wouldn't mind just beginning the interview, letting the listeners know a little bit of your origin story, who you are and how you got into all of your healing modalities. Okay. Well, ever since I was a small child, I was I was actually obsessed with the she. Now, most people in America would think of them as fairies, but the she are very much a part of Irish tradition. It's part of the mythology. And fairies are transpersonal beings, so there are lots of gods and goddesses and people from from the legends and myths are, are part of all of that. And so Anam means soul and she is like so that that word is the soul of fairy but I was obsessed with them from the time I was a tiny child and other little girls wanted to be princesses and of course I wanted to be a fairy and then as I grew up and I was always really interested in the archaeology here and I was very very fortunate to have my father and an aunt who really supported that and they brought me places you know sites all the rest of it so I was very very fortunate to have that upbringing but I was always interested in the spiritual and when I was in a teenager I was always interested in whatever was going on in the other world mm-hmm. and then I kind of left it aside for a lot of years and started I moved to America and I had a massage therapy practice at that time and I raised my children And then eventually I got into Kundalini Yoga and I decided to do teacher training and I did it in New Mexico. And I was on top of this mountain in New Mexico and it was truly the most intense thing I've ever done in my life. It was, I like to joke that it was yoga boot camp. Mm -hmm. And one night they didn't give us a second to ourselves and we got very little sleep and it was just nonstop. So one night we were very, very high up in the mountains and I wanted to look over the sunset. It was just gorgeous. And I just wanted a breather. (laughs) So I sneaked out and I went to the top of the mountain. I'm looking out over this beautiful sunset over the land. And I heard a very loud voice say to me, you will walk the path of the shaman. Mm -hmm. Now, at the time, I didn't really know what a shaman was. I knew my only understanding of shamans was pictures from the National Geographic of medicine people, you know, tribal medicine people. 
So I was very, very puzzled by this. And I'm thinking, but I'm not Native American, you know, and I had discovered that the land I was on was sacred to the Native Americans. And I'm thinking, well, this doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I was just puzzled. I was really, really puzzled. And then when I got home, I started as I am the kind of person who would research a lot. So I really started to research shamanism and I discovered that there was a reawakening of the shamanic practices in this country. Now, there's a lot of and I won't get into it. There's a lot of argument about whether it really is shamanism, but it was very definitely. Closed down by Ireland when Ireland became Christian, so there are stories of women who used to work with the the she with the fairies and they were known as fairy doctors and that would be the closest thing to a true shaman in irish history i suppose you would say there's certainly a huge flowering of it now i actually worked alone for about 4 years and by the time i eventually got to a shamanic workshop i realized i had been really well trained by the spirits themselves and so how i got into the akashic stuff was that on one of my first residential workshop, I was sharing a room with this woman who kept asking me to let her work on my ancestral line. And I really wasn't interested. You know, we were we were in, intensely doing other work. And then the last night we were there, I was exhausted and I couldn't sleep. And she eventually persuaded me. And she had learned a method by one teacher who's very well known called Betsy Borgstrom. In this method, you call up whatever spirits are there and you dialogue with them and you send them to the upper world or you send them to the lower world, which isn't hell. It's where the animal spirits and the ancestors live. And she started this with me and it went on all night long. It got to the point where she was she wasn't dialoguing with these spirits at all. They were like just coming up and she was like, oh, do you want to go here? Do you want to go there? And I could feel them leaving my body. It was insane. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, she said to me, you know, you need to learn how to do this. She said, I've never seen anything like this. It's like your whole ancestral line knew they were going to be released and they all came up for this. So for a number of years, I kept looking at different methods and there was something about she did actually teach me this method herself and it worked brilliantly for me. It was something cumbersome about it. And I, I kept thinking there has to be an easier way to do it. And then I kept looking till I found the method that I used mm. with you, which was taught by a woman called Andrea Hess called soul realignment. Now what's happened over the years is that I have merged it with my shamanic work. So it's become my own thing. But that's how I started doing that. And so what I tend to do when people come to me, unless they have like one standalone issue, I like to start with the Akashic clearings because they're very comprehensive, as you know. And people, not only are they very comprehensive, but the client has to participate. And that's what makes the difference. I always make it clear to people, if you want to do this, you have to do the 21 day prayer because if you don't, you won't get the results and you'll waste your money. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very clear about that because I want people to get the results that they're looking for. That's what I do. And then how I do ongoing work with clients is that once we've done the, the big clearing, then they want standalone work. They want to top up. They come back and I do a session where we will connect through technology, you know, Skype or Zoom or one of those, and they will tell me what their problem is and we'll discuss it. And then I will work on their energy field remotely and do whatever they need done and then give them the the information when we're done or and further work if they're given that to do. So that's kind of what I do. I'm not teaching Kundalini Yoga at the moment, but I am a Kundalini teacher and the breath work in Kundalini is just absolutely amazing. Sometimes I, you know, depending on what comes up in the sessions, sometimes I give people meditations or um, particular breath patterns, whatever works for them, you know, to help them in their work going forward. So I weave it all in together. Siobhan, it's amazing. I want to tell the listeners that I met Siobhan several years ago, now 10 years ago, probably. I found out about her from a fellow artist where I'm from in Wisconsin. She said, have you heard of Siobhan McMahon? And she said, she is the real deal. If you're looking for an Akashic record reading, 
contact this woman. She's amazing. And something about her telling me this information, I know when I needed it the most. I sat with it for literally about five minutes and I contacted you. And I felt like it was, again, the universe's way of putting me in touch with what I needed at that time. And the reading that I had with you was so profound that it has stuck with me the entire 10 years. And the work that you gave me to do for myself, the 21 day clearing was again, that immense change that I needed to shift within myself. And behind that is what we talked about it also is the intention. So if you could just share if you're doing clearing work and you're working within all of this that you've mentioned, would you say that intention is how important is it? It's everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything. And in fact, when I started, I've always been very, very serious about my spiritual path. And when I started doing this, I asked for people to be sent to me who were really serious because I didn't want to play around. And that intention has remained firm. And so, I mean, people have blind spots and that's part of what coming for a clearing is you need somebody else so that they can be objective. And I'm not saying just because somebody has a blind spot, I'm not going to work with them, obviously, because that's what my job is, is to see the blind spots and help them see what it is they're doing and support them through that 21 day prayer process if they need it. Because some people do, because what ends up happening is that the ego gets in the way and the ego doesn't want anything it doesn't understand. So. Sometimes you have to hold somebody's hand and help them get through it and say, keep going. The ego will get on board. It'll be fine. When the ego realizes this is the new way, it just gets on board. Mm-hmm. But the ego's job is to keep you safe. And it does that by keeping you in what is known because it's not able to innovate. So this is why change is hard. Oh, yeah, Siobhan, so well said, because I think that's why people want to have the instant effect of anything these days. I think we're all running on, give me the results instantly. And I think for people who get into anything spiritual, you're really stepping into places of yourself that are both the shadow parts, the light parts, and all of that has its own time frame. I wanted to ask you when you're working within the Akashic records and someone comes to you for information or a reading or how would you preference it my particular shamanic gift is that i'm very good at helping people move out what i call heavy energies don't like to use the word any more negative because that has a judgment that that has a connotation of judgment and the thing is we are beings of duality we have light and we have shadow and the shadow is not something to be afraid of because there's a great deal of power there but we have to bring it up to be seen and I feel like a huge part of my work, at least as it's developed, is trying to make people understand that they don't need to be afraid of their dark side. They just need to be able to look at it. But we have been so brainwashed to be afraid of the dark that people don't realize that their gifts have been thrown away in that bag. They've put all the unacceptable parts of themselves into. It's very, very important to be able to look at these things and not judge yourself. And so that I feel these days, that's more and more and more a part of my work is to say, don't be afraid of this. A lot of times, whatever those things are that are coming up are actually ancestral patterns that we have that have been handed down the line. I had a really amazing experience a couple of years ago. There's a wonderful teacher called Thomas Hubel, and he is amazing. And his big thing is ancestral healing or trauma work. He started up a group called the Pocket Project. And the idea is that there would be pockets of people in various places around the world who were able to do the ancestral healing work for their particular area. So the Pocket Project, they had a kind of a research group and there were various different groups. And the one I joined was War Trauma. And it was the most amazing seven months of my life everybody in that particular group was so absolutely sincere about what they were doing I mean we would get on a call and these people were all over the world so it was all done through technology and I would connect to that field and my whole body would go cold you know and that has to do with with higher energy coming in 
I can't really tell you exactly what happened because there's confidentiality involved. But one of the things I learned was that some of my own, what I would have looked at as my own personal faults were actually inherited war trauma. So the fact that you were attracted to this project perhaps was calling to you to work a little bit closer with what you needed to heal within yourself, would you say? Yes. Ireland has a very difficult history for 700 years. Some part of the island was under British rule and terrible things happened here. And a hundred years, just over a hundred years ago, there was a, a big revolution. There's so much pain and suffering still in this country as a result of what happened. And we're coming up to the point where there would be very few people left who, you know, we're a hundred years out. So yeah. people who were directly affected are mostly gone now. But there are the children of those who are directly affected. There's a lot of pain in these people. I feel that that's part of what I'm doing here. There may be a story that will come out of it. It would be done as a novel because you can't be talking about people who still relatives. You know, you, it would just be too hurtful and painful. That's what I'm here to do is to work on ancestral trauma. It comes at me from every which way. You know? Yeah, it sounds like you're almost truly a conduit between the healing that needs to take place between either a person or the land or whatever needs to be healed and you're sort of called to that space to be that conduit. I find that to be fascinating and completely special in and of itself. Bringing up the healing that takes place and the and the teachers that you worked with, could you share with the listeners some of these incredible teachers that you worked with? I know within shamanism, you had, now please help me with the name, Don Oscar, if you could. Oh, Don Oscar Miracasada. He's a Peruvian shaman, but he mm -hmm. lives in the United States. And I did mm -hmm. work with him. I worked with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. I worked with a couple of teachers in Eastern Europe that nobody would recognize their names. Tom Cohen used to work for the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. And his was actually the first residential shamanic retreat that I went on. And then I, I suppose the teacher that had the most profound effect upon me was Hank Wesselman. And Hank Wesselman died in the last couple of years. He wrote a series of books about his experiences in the future. He was taken to into his descendant's body 5,000 years into the future. It's the Spirit Walker trilogy. And I would recommend that to anybody interested in the shamanic stuff. But Hank was a paleoanthropologist, very, 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 very interesting man. And I had read all his books before I went to work with him. I was already a practicing shaman. I didn't need to do all his beginning work, but we worked in the upper worlds and he was the only one really who was doing it at that time. It was, it just had a profound effect upon me. You know, mm -hmm. he was my most powerful teacher. If you could pick out a specific time in your life that was transformative and how it led into where you are now, would that be something that is what you're concentrating more on because of your connection with Ireland? Would there be one specific thing you've learned up to this point? Was there a turning point that everything made sense for you? And you said, oh, I get it. This is my path. This is who I am. Or this is a, a progression into something more. Oh, it's definitely a progression into something more. But, if you're, but that pivotal moment was on that mountain in New Mexico when I heard you will walk the path of the shaman. I didn't even know what a shaman was. Not really. And then when I did, I, it freaked me out because I started to read about what goes on in South America. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of sorcerers and sorcerers are people who use, they walk the left-hand path, you know, the dark path. And it was actually a number of years later that I finally understood it was in something that the, he is not my personal teacher, Alberto Valaldo. In one of his books, he wrote that in Peruvian shamanism, there are four levels of the shaman. There's the healer, the teacher, the seer and the sage. And it only becomes a spiritual path when you get to the seer and the sage. And I was like, OK, this explains to me what's going on. But I had been really interested in Western mysticism before this. I mean, I didn't really get into that. But I had been all my whole adult life before any of this stuff about shamanism started. It felt like a right turn. After I had that experience on the mountain, I started having these really powerful dreams about being tested by shamans. And I'm fairly certain at some point I, I had some kind of a life 
as an Aboriginal in Australia, because that's what it was all about. You were so drawn to it that it, it yeah. brought you into this place of enlightenment. I wanted to ask, do you feel that the shamanistic energy is so earth connected? And then would you say that the Akashic energy is so cosmically related so that the heaven and the earth energy is? I don't, I don't think you can really separate them. And there's a lot of people, for instance, Don Oscar works a lot with energies from off planet. I think what's happened is people think of shamanism as earth-based and indeed that's exactly what it is. Like everything else it's evolving and so a lot of peoples on earth their origins are on different off-planet civilizations so I don't think you can divide it up like that but it's certainly to do with the natural world. The cosmos is the natural world too. Yes you're right it is connected it is all one. Our linear minds like to try to categorize things and separate things just for clear understanding but i agree that it's all becoming kind of this merging and mingling of energies that we're just part of in terms of the akashic work could you explain how that actually works and how you tap oh, in yeah. and who it who's there when you're in the akashic realm well what happens is that there are a lot of different explanations of what the akashic records are it's like the database that have of everything that's ever happened on this planet so i was trained in a particular way to be able to extract the information that is necessary for the person that i'm working for so what i tend to do these days is when people come to me i ask them what is it you want to work on and i ask them i get them to email me and give me the names and dates of birth and the only reason i need those things is to locate the person accurately in the records you're not mixing them up with somebody else that's the only reason i want that information i ask them what is it that they want to work on and i ask them who are the major players in their lives mm. because we're all in groups and we're traveling through eternity learning lessons with each other so what i do is i open up sacred space i never do anything without creating a safe container and i take the information they gave me and i ask to be shown their record and then I start asking, where did this originate? I'm looking for the life of origination. I'm not like looking for the last life. I'm like looking for where did this begin? And then sometimes there will be several different lives that will be involved because it's like a domino effect. And there's something I want to say really clearly here. No matter what we did in the past, we were only trying to survive. That's mm. all anybody's ever doing. And so you make a decision in a particular situation and it does damage to your energy field and so you carry it on into the next life and the next life and the next life and it's like a domino effect because you've already got this damage that predisposes you to make another decision that is going to create further damage so when i used to do it and i don't remember the specifics of what i did with you because i don't ever remember because it's not information for me it's for the client but I always ask, don't give me too much information because people can't integrate too much. And it's really important to me that they can integrate what we do. And then we can go on to the next thing later on. So I receive the information in the form of a story. This is what happened. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of, I, I think of them as teaching stories because I cannot prove that a thousand years ago, a client did whatever it was that they did. But what I do say is that the information itself is true. The story behind the story is true. Why you made a choice in a way that you made it and the fallout from it and what it's done to your energy field and to the people you're in relationship with. Then when I've gotten it all down, I have a whole ritual I do to clear it. Then I set up a conference with the person and we connect and I give them all the information that I've been given. And then I also work remotely on their energy field these days as well. Because I find that really helps to speed up the integration. They get their 21 day prayers and sometimes they get another process if there are soul parts that need to be re reclaimed or restored. Mm -hmm. And then I get them to let me know how they're getting on. Yeah. And let me say, from my experience with you, Siobhan, it was, again, so profound. I want to ask, at the time that I was doing this work with you, I had asked you, 
is the information that you're bringing forth. Will this be for the forever information? And I remember you saying, Akashic record readings will change. I'm giving you the information that you need to hear now for what you need to handle today and what's going on in your life now. And that made so much sense. And it has made me think about how I would like to do another reading for my life now, because again, that was 10 years ago. So would you say for people who want to get readings, you go by how it makes you feel at the time. And if you feel that you need to have another clearing, then they contact you afterwards for another one. Oh yeah. I mean, I have people who come back to me regularly, you know, something happens some people come just because they want to experience the healing. Because what I also do, you did ask me about Alamshi, and that has come in. And let me explain what that is. When I was living in America, and I used to work hands-on, you know, because in those days we were doing things in person, I would be working on people in my healing room, and I started to be shown these images of, they're like Reiki images, really. So it was the images that worked that I was resonant with, with the energy of the she. That's what I'm actually named for. Siobhan means the white fairy translated from the Gaelic. So over a period of about a year, I was given all these symbols. And so when I am working on a client, when I connect to their energy field, I'm using that Anam Chi energy to fill up their energy field because there's three levels of healing on the shamanic path. The first level is if somebody has a loss of power, then something, the universe hates a vacuum. So some other energy will come in to that space. So the first thing you have to do is fill a person up with power. Sometimes that will come through the form of a spirit guide for the client. But I use the Anam Shi energy to fill up their energy field. And then I start to see what shouldn't be there. And then I can take it out. And then the third level is soul retrieval, where there are parts of them have gone and have to be retrieved and put back into their field. If somebody comes to me and we, we do the big clearing and I will still use the Anam Shi energy and then they finish up and then something, you know, it, it's going to take about a month by the time they've done their 21 days and they feel integrated. And then if they want to work on something else, they just come back and we do standalone sessions. That sounds amazing. Do you actually visually see when you say the she, do you receive images? The thing is that, that people receive intuitive information, psychic information in different ways. I mean, we've all heard of clairvoyance, there's clairaudience, there's clairsentience, and what's the other one? Claircognizance. So for me, the first thing that ever came in was I saw things a long, long time ago. I saw things on my wall, the wall in my bedroom like 40 years ago, right? So that was the first one for me. The second one that came in was clear audience. I would hear things and I still hear things. Then we all have that sense of a hunch, which is, you know, the cognizance. The final one to come in for me, which is to me is kind of the weirdest one, is the clairsentience, getting sensations in my body. So sometimes I'll get a pain somewhere in my body that's not mine, it's the client's. But the way it usually shows up is when, when I'm working remotely, I work as though they're on a massage table in front of me, like I'm working on their whole energy field. And I put my hand onto the head and start giving them the energy. And then I'll start to get these sensations in my eyes, like I've got dirt in my eyes. And sometimes it'll be on the left side and sometimes it'll be on the right side and sometimes it'll be both. And I know where I need to work. That's what it's showing me. And so when I'm finished, I come back and I feel it again to see if it's cleared. And then when I know it's cleared, I know I'm done for that session. That sounds beautiful. I feel like it leads you. This energy, again, is leading you. Do you find when you do this type of work, being, being where you live, Ireland, when I think of Ireland, I'm just, I'm like enthralled with the magic of Ireland. Again, I've never been there. I can tell you I was at a spiritual fair and a psychic in the middle of this group reading literally pointed at me and said, you have a connection with Ireland and fairies and you need to go to Ireland. And I thought, great, sign me up. I'll go anytime. And I've always had this absolute love of the land. And because mm -hmm. you're there and you're from there, do you feel that the land calls to you? And when you work, sometimes you like to work actually outside. Oh yeah. I mean, I live, 
the interesting thing is when I came back here, I'm not living in the part of Ireland I knew before I came mm -hmm. back from America. And I was 30 years in America. But I am basically, I'm living in the West. It's a Neolithic landscape. Mm -hmm. I know this before I came home. So you go back almost 6,000 years. The first Neolithic farmers came through the coast at Sligo. And there's a big mountain there called Knock You climb Knock you look back towards Ireland and you see the land of Ireland. I mean, you just see this circle of hills and nearly every single one of those hills is a megalithic mm. remains on top of them, all except one of them. I mean, mm. it's a Neolithic landscape. The people slowly went east, but they kind of went on a diagonal towards the south, the southeast. And you get to the east coast and the world famous sites like Newgrange are there and they're less primitive because it took them about 800 years to get that far across but that's how long people have been here and there's actually a site in the north of Ireland near Derry which was a hunter-gatherer site I'm just fascinated with this stuff the genetic department in Trinity College in Dublin are doing huge work on all of this and they discovered that the hunter-gatherers had a life expectancy of about 80, whereas the Neolithic farmers had a life expectancy of about 30. And how I interpret that is the hunter-gatherers lived in the Garden of Eden. They trusted the mother to provide for them. The Neolithic farmers thought they had to do it all themselves, work by the sweat of their brows. I have started to see just now trips that people can take and sort of Put their feet on these energy spots these geomancy lines to kind of connect i will have to say though one thing that's been happening recently which is very very sad is that the department of public works are having to close down a lot of these sites because what's happened is since social media took off people are going and it's not just ireland they're going all over the world to these sacred sites they're going for their selfies and they're they're taking things from the sites like pieces of rock mm -hmm. and whatnot and they are just causing yeah. terrible harm and so what the office of public works they're starting to close them down when i came home i went with a friend up to one place it's called carakeel there's these mounds but they're very primitive mounds on the top of the mountain and we went up there i knew when i came back i was being told that i had to reconnect with all the sacred sites, with the spirits of the land. So we went up to Karakil and we went into one of the chambers, which you can't go into now. Mm -hmm. And I did some ceremony there and I was trying to reconnect to some of the spirits. And it was very odd in a way. I felt like it was a mother that came forward. It felt like she was coming from very, very, very far away. And she was sort of asking me what I was doing there, you know, and I was like, well, I just came home to to reconnect, to honor the spirits of this land, you know, mm -hmm. to do whatever work I can to clear it. And then then I had the connection from there on in. But I had to do it first. It wasn't just a question of, you know, turning mm -hmm. up. I can totally understand that. And because you've been now both in the States and there, you spoke about helping to heal the land of America. When you think of how COVID has changed us forever on so many levels, energetically, do you have any information that you've received that can help people understand what this was all for? There are so many opinions about what COVID was about and still is about. Well, my understanding of what I was given for myself, thats I won't say it's for anybody else, but was to make us stop. We are so caught up with technology. I mean, technology is amazing. We wouldn't be talking without it right now. But it has a very dark side. So we are becoming very disconnected. In some ways, we can use technology in smart ways to to reconnect with, with the planet. But in other ways, it's taking us away. And I feel that COVID was like, stop. You just have to stop and reassess. But it was very difficult. Very difficult. And I was just talking with my husband about this. Did we learn anything? Are we better for this experience? Things about ourselves on so many levels. And I think that there's just this push and pull all the time with people not really wanting to stop in their tracks and take time. And I think that it continues, it feels like that where there's just a continual struggle of needing to take the time, but not wanting to take the time because yes. we're so plugged in. We're so high octane all the time. 
you know, I wanted to ask you, I think we had talked about this several years ago and you had mentioned Ayurveda and I had just recently taken a course to learn more about it. And it made me realize my body clock and how I sleep, when I sleep, when I get up, when I meditate, what I eat and how that all plays a part into your spiritual practice or your intuitive stuff. Do you find that your intuitive and spiritual practice woke you up to wanting to live your life in a cleaner way and sort of lead by example for yourself? I think I was always like that. You know, I mean, my eldest daughter is 42, I think now. And ever since she's been a child, she's been eating organic food. I was doing it before anybody else was. So it's like I was, I was drawn in that direction. I was always interested in the spiritual. So that's, that's pretty much obviously what I came here to do. But yes, I do think it's about leading by example. I can't remember who it was who said to me when I started this healing path. They said, ask to be sent the people you can help. Because you can't help everybody. Right. And your heart, I think, expands and you feel this connection. And people who want to work on themselves or release what they need to release, they need to want to do that. If yes. people come to you for healings and clearings, is that just assumed that they're there because they want to do it or do they want you to fix them? That's why I asked to only be sent people who are serious. That makes sense. Setting the intention for people to come into your circle who are ready to let go and are ready to heal parts of themselves. But I also feel it's very important for me not to judge the people who come to me. So my job is just to help them. We talk in shamanism about being the hollow bone really good shaman is not necessarily somebody who's done a lot of work on their ego, although some have, and I think it is the best way to go. But what you really need is the ability to be able to step out of the way and let the energies that want to come through, come through. And that's why I don't remember stuff because it's not meant for me. I'm just the conduit. I'm a facilitator. Real healing comes from the person themselves, from their own soul. It's just that they need, they need a little hand to help them. I think that's such a beautiful way to put that because people sometimes don't know why they're seeking out other people to help them clear what they need. They just need help. It's such a vulnerable moment. I know I've been there many times and I've reached out to practitioners almost in, you know, please help me. I need to clear this. And it's like this, if you work with a practitioner who's really in their own grounded space, they do exactly what you just explained. They're, they're offering, again, their help and assistant as the conduit. But yeah, that judgment is gone. That ability to connect with people, you're almost doing it like spirit to spirit. All the other stuff dissolves away. I feel like the ego sort of steps aside and expectations step aside and you're just working spirit to spirit. I also think that people wanting help, they need to trust they need to ask to be drawn to the person who can help them that they're most resonant with. That's really important because there's always a resonance between the healer and the, the person who's coming to be healed. Mm -hmm. And as I say, it's not the healer that does it. They're just the facilitator. Going back to the she, if you could describe, because I'm morphing this in with the fairy realm. If you could share what that looks like or what that has looked like your whole life and maybe how that has changed. So when I think of the fairy realm, I call them the fairy realm, but I'm probably incorrect in saying that, that I have heard that the energy of Ireland and the energy of some European places are so ready to manifest this energy and be there for you that if you're ready for it, they appear and work with you. Now, are there different levels of that? And do people have to show respect for that particular place or working with that energy? And how can that energy help them evolve? Well, when I first trained with Tom Cohen about that, what he taught us, because he was of Irish descent, and, and he, what he taught us was that the fairy realm is, we have to work in reciprocity with it. So their their job the, the job of the she is the health of the planet if you allow your energy to be used they're just going to take it and use it you know because mm -hmm. their their job is to keep the balance 
and they're very affected by what we do because we're damaging the planet to such a degree. There's a teacher called, um, God, what is his name? John Matthews. He's an Englishman and he and his wife, Kathleen, they're shamanic teachers. And he wrote a book about the she. And years ago, I was very affected by this. Um, a very long time ago, he was called to an archaeological dig in Ireland and found this glyph on the back of the wall. And this, these beings that said that the she were coming through. Mm. And they told him to take a robbing of it and take it back to his house in Oxford. And then over a period of time, one of the she came forward. And basically, I don't think there'd be a lot in it that would be different from what you already know. It's about <laughs> learning how to sense the energy of the land and living in harmony with it. But John wrote the book as though he was a neophyte. He didn't know any of this stuff because he was doing mm -hmm. it for the general market. It's a small little book, but it's well worth reading for anybody who's interested in this subject. And one of the reasons I loved it was because it was the first time you know, a lot of people say that the she are middle world spirits, they're tricky. I've never experienced that the she is tricky. And what the she that came and spoke to John said, he said, they're, they're like our elder brothers and sisters. They're from uh -huh. another dimension in this world. They don't reproduce very much. And they are trying to help us to stop destroying the planet, basically. And this she told him he could use this glyph, which is in the book, to communicate with them and anybody can use it but he said that we have pictures in our minds that we have you know we've been taught stories over millennia and we have ideas about the she and who they really are but they have evolved beyond those ideas so they're not little leprechauns running around the place I mean some people will see that so basically my understanding is that these non-corporeal beings these from other dimensional beings which i believe is what the she are they come and they take what's in our mind that we can resonate with and they show themselves to us in that form is this what the anam she would be all about working with that energy within your healings and clearings yeah I mean, that was the name i chose i chose anam she because it just felt right to me yeah it makes sense to me and the fact that you have worked with this energy in some form or fashion for so many years. I remember when I had had my Akashic work done with you and we were talking about fairy portals and we were talking, you were telling me how to help sort of bring in the energy and leave honey on a leaf and little offerings. And I started to do that. And you know what I did? I created a fairy portal, Siobhan. Oh, on, yeah. On the, at the bottom of one of my maple trees and I did it the day that my sweet, sweet little dog left this world. I made a fairy portal in her name and I sort of set the intention to this sweet little dog that just crossed. If you want to come to me, work with this portal. And I adorned this portal. I made little furniture out of rocks and I plant flowers around the tree. And let me tell you something. This whole energy of that space, Siobhan, just feels like I get little chills because it's really sweet. It's magical. I feel like it made sense to me. And you had said even making offerings at Christmas time and again, bringing in your family lineage into all of this energy is important too. And I, I wanted to ask you about that. When you talk about energy of that resonance, is it very closely related to that love energy of who we truly are, that compassionate love energy? and how we then relate to our people in our soul group, our family lineage, our ancestors. How does that all connect together? Well, I honestly think it's all one energy. When you get to a certain point, it's all energy of oneness. It's not sameness, <laughs> not sameness, oneness. That, At a biological level, I'm no scientist, so I, I don't even know if I could explain all this, but we actually are one, you know, we're not separate from anything else, but we don't experience life that way because we haven't reached that level of development or evolution. So we see things as separate. And so the she, the nature spirits are all part of nature, but we're also part of nature. We've just divorced ourselves from it. So working with them in cooperation, it's like, co-creation we can co-create hell or we can co-create heaven 
it's up yeah. to us. As we're wrapping up, if you could share anything that, that you want to mention about the work that you do and maybe anything that is of the collective consciousness that would help us to get it, to turn the switch on and connect. Yeah, I think, first of all, you have to have the desire to do it. So if you have a desire, for instance, to work with she, the traditional ways of doing it, certainly for anybody of Celtic descent or Irish descent, is giving out little offerings of maybe pieces. Dairy, dairy is a big one. And honey, just tiny, tiny amounts and leaving them out in a place where they're not going to harm anybody. Well, those things won't harm anybody. But maybe, as you said, on a leaf under a tree, then you don't leave them. You, you take them away because they come and take the energy of them. But by doing that, you're signaling, hey, I'm available. I want to work with you here. It's a relationship. You have to build a relationship. And that is the first place to start. And then ask to be guided to the best ways for you, because not everybody listening to this is going to be of Irish from this descent from these islands. And they will have traditions that their people used. And then I would suggest that go find what those traditions are and start playing with them. Say, I am here. I want to help. I want to evolve our consciousness along because that's really what it's about. It's about evolution of consciousness. Wow, that's a beautiful statement. And that is 100%. I think what we all need to sit with and think about and let that resonate within us. I really believe that if we intend to ask for that assistance, that somehow this will come to us. And maybe by paying attention to our environment, to what's maybe directly in front of us, is a fantastic way to do it. Would you say that people who live wherever they live, wherever I live in the Midwest and we have our beauty here as well, but every place mm -hmm. that you live has its own energy. So would you say that to connect with the she energy, for instance, can you do it anywhere? Oh, absolutely. You just have to have something that's living. So a plant on a balcony, you know, go to a park, where, walk when you can in your bare feet so that you're connecting with the earth, sit under a tree. You know, it just needs to be the living natural world. People living in cities can get beautiful crystals and put them in their room, you know, but it needs to be something of the earth. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think spring is upon us. I'm not sure. Do you have any advice for how to usher in the new season as we're, you know, coming into the spring equinox and the spring energy? Again, it's, it's, to me, it's surrounding yourself with flowers, going out into, out into the earth, you know, going for a walk in a park. If you're lucky enough to live in the country under a tree, try and connect your energy, just be quiet and sit and allow the bird song. Mm -hmm. If there's any birds, whatever the noises are, mm -hmm. just quieten your mind as much as possible. And it's easier to do that if you're in nature. Absolutely. When people want to connect with you, Siobhan, if you could let people know how to get a hold of you and what your offerings, I guess, in a nutshell would be, that would be amazing because I'm telling you out there, whoever's listening, please get a hold of Siobhan. She will just help you. <laughs> well, the easiest way to get in touch with me is at my email address. Which, and I made it simple so people could spell my name. So it's Siobhan, S-H-A-V-O-N-N-E at alignyoursoul.com. And people can get to me through WhatsApp, which is a free messaging app that people in Europe tend to use. And I also have a page on Facebook, which is Align Your Soul. I will have this information in the show notes for people for this episode as well to just be able to get a hold of you yeah the only thing i'd ask is that if people are getting in touch with me through whatsapp to please identify yourself yes <laughs> people send notes and you have no idea who it's coming from so that absolutely. would be very very helpful absolutely well siobhan if there's anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up i hope i've covered everything as i look through my notes here i just want to make sure that I haven't missed anything. I think we've covered a lot of beautiful, beautiful topics. Again, my takeaway from this is to connect with yourself. We have to be able to be open, ask for it, intend that whatever does come up is for our highest good to be able to shift it, to be able to clear it so that we can 
live our best life, basically. Yes. And I would say the biggest thing to work on is to work on what is, to accept what's happening in the present moment. It doesn't mean that you don't change things, but we all tend to resist. And it's in the resistance that material gets caught in our energy field. And then sometimes we're clearing up from life to lifetime. But if we can learn, and it's, it's hard because it's going against how we've been programmed since we were children, is to close down what we don't want. But in the moment, if you can accept what you're feeling and thinking and what's in your heart, that is the quickest way to health and healing, is to stop resisting. I'm not saying you don't clear, you don't try to change your life, but in the moment, what resists persists. So true, so well said, so beautiful. I kind of don't want to let her go right now. I appreciate you being here with us today sharing your knowledge, sharing your beautiful energy and letting people know that it's possible to move some of that dense stuff and kind of stand in your power and regain all of the beautiful things that are a part of you and to accept that. So thank you for reminding everybody of that. Well, thank you so much for having me. I can't believe we were talking for an hour. It went so fast. It flew. It It flew. It was beautiful to be here. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks, Siobhan. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being with me today for another episode of Hello, Inner You. And again, check out Siobhan McMahon. She's an amazing person with amazing abilities. And again, thank you so much for being with us. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, let a friend know. And thank you for rating and reviewing the show. I appreciate your support. If you want to learn more about me, check out HelloInnerYou.com for my intuitive offerings and AgilOriginal.com for my hand-drawn pet portraits. And remember, new episodes of Hello Inner You drop every Wednesday. Until we meet again, let the sun shine in, face it with a grin, open up your heart and let the sun shine in. Bye guys. Bye guys.